Grace, mercy, and peace are yours, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. From God, our Heavenly Father, through Christ Jesus, our coming Lord. Amen. In those days, John the Baptizer came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, because the reign of heaven has come. Well, St. Matthew tells us that Isaiah had prophesied about John before, and he equated this preaching of John with this familiar message. Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. And so this preaching continues to come to us even today. We're told to prepare the way of the Lord of all creation. It's quite a daunting task. But as part of that, what that means, we're told, repent. As we consider, what does it mean to prepare the way of the Lord in this season of Advent? The message of John the Baptist rings out clearly. The reign of heaven has come. God himself has come. So repent. Now, of course, the good news in all of this is that God brings his grace-filled kingdom to us. He doesn't demand that you climb to heaven to find him or to meet the demands of the law or to play a spiritual hide-and-seek to go find him wherever he might be. While we squabble about petty preferences in this life, uh, blind to the brokenness of this world, the brokenness in our very selves, Jesus quietly comes to us. He comes to our world, not by any merit that we have, nothing we've done, but he comes to us. He makes himself known, but not in ways that you'd expect. Yes, angels and, and shepherds and magi and, of course, a, a loud preacher in the wilderness, they make a big deal about the coming of this king. But the king himself lays low until the time is right, until after he has already come into our midst and collected a bunch of assumptions from those around him, and he says, I'm the king. Now, of course, when we hear the word king, we think of an earthly king, all those people who tend to give the true king a bad name. They serve themselves rather than the people. But this king of kings, the true king, he flips things on its head. He comes to serve you, not himself. And so, yes, this king who comes and eases your burdens instead of piling on more demands, the, the king who heals your wounds instead of bludgeoning you with more requirements, who honors you with love and fellowship instead of disgracing you by always bringing up your recalcitrant ways, who gives you rest rather than adding to your anxiety. The presence and the coming of this King is good news, my friends. 
But because this king comes quietly in unexpected ways, you need someone to tell you out loud verbally that the king has come. And that's what the church is for. That's why you're here to hear the good news proclaimed to you. But along with this declaration of good news, that the good king has come and he reigns, the proper response to this good news is also given. Repent. That's not always easy to hear. Have you found yourself in a situation, I'm sure most of you have, I know I have, you've been in a situation where maybe you're talking about someone or a situation involving someone, and maybe you realize in your gut that maybe I shouldn't be talking about this, but you justify it in some way, and then all of a sudden, that person's right around the corner or they're right behind you. If you tense up and you know that something isn't right, that you are no longer right with that person, and so you have to make that turn, that figurative and literal turn as you try to walk back your speech and you stumble over your words, foot firmly planted in your mouth, you try to recover, and that turn, it feels like forever. But you know something's not right and you feel like you have to set it right. Well, this is very much like what repentance is. No, you don't set it right, but you know that you've fallen short. You haven't met the demands of God. The law strikes your conscience. You know that you're not right with God, and you have that tension. And the world tells you, be yourself, just own it. But that's what got you into this mess in the first place. And the, and the world will ingrain in you this sense that, well, you, you know what's right, everyone else is wrong. Double down on the fact that you're right and they're wrong. But you still feel that tension. And the pressure keeps mounting, threatening to break you. And meanwhile, God is there calling you. Repent. Turn to faith in him. And he freely forgives you. He's not there scowling. He's standing there patiently in love. Because he's already taken on the burden, the pressure, the fault, the payment, the guilt of your sin. And this is what Luther and, and those who first started to join him recognized as they were looking at this system of penance, this idea of, I recognize my sins and now I have to go do a whole bunch of stuff to pay for it. And they said, no, that's not what the word means in the Bible. Repent is something else. It's not me paying for it because Christ has already paid for my sin. And so what they recognized what does this repentance mean? They defined it as contrition, sorrow for your sin, and faith. It's a terror of the punishment, the eternal punishment of your sin, and at the same time, it's the comfort of knowing that that sin has already been paid for in Christ. 
And so repentance is both. It's a sorrow for what you have done, the transgression, and at the same time, it's a trust in the King Jesus who has already paid for that sin, knowing that he has covered it all. Repentance is both of these things. And so you stand there, you, you recognize your sins, your faults, your shortcomings, and you sense the tension between your life and the demands of God's perfect will. And you know you can't keep up with it all. There's just too much to do. So how do you respond? Well, there are two common ways that people respond. One way is that people just give up. They fall into despair. They say, God will never forgive me. I'm lost. I'll just do the world's thing. It's easier that way. That was the people who didn't even bother to go out to see John the Baptist. He had this incredible message. It was drawing people from all over the place, and yet there were some who didn't go. They had given in to despair. And then, of course, there's the other response, which is self-deception. To say, I, I don't need to repent. I, I've done it all. I, I meet the standards. They fall prey to self-righteousness. And, of course, that was the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and that's why John berates them so harshly. You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee the wrath, from the wrath to come? bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Even the Pharisees, the so-called righteous ones, were called to repent. And so instead of these two ditches, the message of the church is to walk on the road of repentance, to turn away from sin and to Christ the King in faith. This is the road that you are on, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. But of course, this whole repentance thing is easier said than done, is it not? John likened repentance to fire. He relates it to wheat and chaff, that John is clear that God uses fire to Burn up the chaff, the, the worthless husk of the grain. It's thrown into the never-ending fire. And yet the kernel, the grain, is kept and tended to. And so the common question that tends to arise from this text, you'll see this often, I'm sure you've probably heard it before, is which one are you? Are you the wheat or the chaff? Well, that kind of misses the point that every grain of wheat has chaff on it, friends. So the question is not, which one are you? The question is, will you hold on to that sin? Or will you hold on to Jesus? And so on your own, you can't do this. But the gracious King, Jesus has baptized you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He burns away 
all of your chaff, all of that sin that would weigh you down, he burns it away. He does this through repentance. That awkward, uncomfortable, even painful experience of confessing your sins, that's the work of the Holy Spirit in you, friends. As you confess your sins, as you express your sorrow over your failures, and as you express your trust in the all-encompassing forgiveness of Jesus Christ, crucified and risen, all of that sin is burned away like useless chaff. Because Jesus, Jesus was the one who endured the fire, the wrath of God for you in your place so that you wouldn't be thrown into the eternal fire along with that chaff. But recognize this, that the prophet Malachi said that Jesus, the Messiah himself, was or would be, is a refining fire. So look, you get burned either way. It's not comfortable. Repentance is not comfortable. The question is, will you let Jesus burn away that sin as you express faith, or will you hold on to that sin as it's thrown into the fire? When you cling to Jesus in faith, as you make that turn, as you turn away from your sin and turn towards Jesus in faith, as it's burned away, what you find is not a fierce scowl of reprimand, but a gracious smile of acceptance. Because Jesus has already paid for it all, and he wants you to be with him. And so he says, turn to me. I have paid for your sin. I have come into the world. I give you rest. Trust me. Turn to me. That's what repentance is, friends. And that faith, that is faith refined by fire. So repentance, as painful as it can be, really is a blessing. God blesses you with the eyes to see that sin, for the, to see your need for forgiveness, and then he gives you, he blesses you with that faith that clings to Jesus and throughout your life. As you repent, this repentance that you go through is a changing of the mind. That's what the Greek word means change your mind. And it's a turning. It's a turning. But recognize that as you turn, as you change your mind from the ways of the world to the ways of your good and gracious king, that it's not a merely internal turn. It's not a merely internal change. When you change your mind, you change your whole life. And so, This change of the life is what John called the fruits of repentance. So as we go through Advent, 
consider some questions. What needs to change in your life as you prepare for the coming of the good and gracious King? As Jesus burns away your chaff, what does that that wheat kernel look like? What commands of Jesus are you struggling to accept? Do you maybe need to admit that addiction that you're hiding and seek some help for it? Do you maybe need to adjust your priorities to align with God's way, with his creation, with his design, redeemed by Christ? Do you need to maybe finally forgive someone? To let go of that resentment and to show them the love and the forgiveness that God has given to you so freely in Christ. What promises of God do you struggle to, to believe and accept? Do you keep expecting that fierce scowl of God whenever you confess your sins instead of the gracious smile? Do you keep living as if this life is all there is, seeking every little bit of experience you can gather, you know, just in case that whole resurrection, salvation thing doesn't work out for you? Do you maybe struggle to believe that God has promised to give you all that you need for this body and life, trusting that Christ is coming? What might it look like for you in your life as you live out your repentance in these days of preparation and waiting. Amen.